You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. So good to be with you all today. Good to worship with you. Thanks for being here. So for the better part of a couple of months, we've been working our way through this series, Relationology, talking about uh, how... Romans 12, the principles that we learn in Romans 12 can be applied to our relationships, how they can be lived out in relationship. For the first several weeks of the series, we, uh, we just dove into the text. We looked at the text itself and asked uh, the question of, of what it is that Paul has to say to us for our relationships uh, through Romans 12. And then for the last two weeks, we've had uh, this really neat opportunity to have some folks from our church community up here to participate in a couple of panels that have helped us understand uh, how to practically apply some of what we've been learning. And, And those panels specifically helping us in the context of marriage and parenting. And uh, we've gotten some really good feedback from you on that and uh, really um, just learned a lot those two weeks. I think it was a a good time together. And so um, thanks to all of you who participated in that. Next week, we're going to have the opportunity to hear from Pastor Joe, who was just up here sharing announcements with you. He'll be uh, sharing kind of the final week of this Relationology series in our family worship weekend. So today I want to... sort of uh, start to wrap up Romans 12 and relationology and focus today specifically on how we can put some of these Romans 12 principles into practice in our lives. We'll talk a little more about that as we go. You know, that, that is the whole idea of what we do when we gather at church. We gather not just to hear the word, not just to hear the music um, and hopefully sing along with it. The idea is that we hear the word, we hear the, the words of the songs that we sing and we practice them. We put them into practice. We allow the word when we come to church to change us. Now, in order to do that, it takes a certain level of humility on our part, because it means we have to come in recognizing that maybe I need to change. So if I were to quote from Romans 12, which seems like an appropriate thing to do when we're studying Romans 12, Paul says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. And if we come into church thinking that we're gonna hear maybe some nice truth, but not anything that we need to practice, not anything that may help us become more like Jesus. I'm afraid we may be falling into that trap of thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to be thinking. I think no matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus today, if you've walked with Jesus for 50 or 60 or 70 years if you've walked with him for 15 or 20 minutes, or maybe if you're here today and you aren't sure if you're walking with Jesus yet, no matter where you're at in that that broad spectrum, there are things that we can learn 
that will allow us to become closer to him, more like him. That's the idea when we gather. And I, I think that, um, what do they say? You're preaching to the choir. I think I'm talking to a group of people who know that, but I think it's a good reminder for us, a reminder that we ought to take what we hear at church, not just today, but every week, and allow it to move us closer to being the people God is asking us to be. I hope that that's true of us. I hope that's what we're doing. And so, like I said, for the last couple of weeks, we've asked the question about how these Romans 12 principles apply in our marriage and in our parenting practices. And today I want to I want to broaden the scope a little bit. And I want to invite you this morning to think about any relationship in your life. Maybe to think about every relationship in your life. You know, um, the last couple of weeks, there was this little danger, even though there were, there were good things, good principles for us to learn, whether or not we were married, whether or not we are parents. Uh, I know there was this little danger for us to say, well, the, the marriage panel, maybe that's not for me if I'm not married. And, and today I'm not going to let you off the hook because we all live in relationship. Every one of us has relationships. You might be thinking about your siblings or extended family members. You might be thinking about your neighbor or the people you work with, the people you go to school with. We all have relationships in our lives. And there is great truth in this scripture about how we ought to relate to one another. And so my hope and prayer for us today is that we will, we will hear truth, but that we won't stop there, but we'll ask how we can apply it, how we can practice it, how we can live it out in our relationships. You know, one of the things that I've enjoyed about the series is that Pastor Chip, from the very beginning, um, sort of chose these theme words, these words that um, he pulled out as, as kind of highlights from Romans 12. Uh, it's such a rich chapter of scripture, and it was helpful to have these kind of theme ideas. And I want us today to look at three uh, verses this morning where three of those words came from and see if we can find that practical application, Okay. So the first word is authenticity. The word authenticity is found in Romans 12 in uh, verse nine. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So what does it look like to be authentic, to be sincere, to be genuine in our practice of relationships with one another? So at the Taylor house, I am the designated math homework person. This is one of my jobs. I've got two jobs. I load the dishwasher and I do math homework. And my family has recognized that these are my skills. It's kind of all I've got, but you know, they love me anyway. So these are the things that I do. And, and uh, last week we were, uh, we were sitting at the kitchen island, Keaton and I, working on his math homework on his school-issued Chromebook, which is still a world that I'm not sure I fully understand. The school-issued laptop, like it's just such a different, um, different age, I guess. But, uh, but we had worked our way through this problem and uh, we reached what I felt, I felt good about. I thought this was the answer. I've got the answer. And when Keaton typed in the answer, which was 1.667, 
Doesn't that sound right to you? The program notified us that the answer had to be an integer and what we had typed in was not an integer. So after I threw the Chromebook across the kitchen, um, I calmly picked it back up and we tried again. Now, I didn't tell this part in first service, but um, somebody in first service came up and was like, well, what was the right answer? Well, the problem was dad didn't read the problem carefully enough. That was the problem. So uh, anyway, do you know what an integer is? Okay, this is great. This is what happened in first service too. I said, this is the most like vocal response I've ever gotten for a question I asked in church. I just need to talk about math more, you know? An integer is a whole number. It's a whole number, no fractions or decimals allowed in an integer. That's what it is. And um, I, I wanted to make sure I didn't make a fool of myself today. So I looked this up and there's another definition. An integer is also just uh, any complete entity, like a whole, a whole thing. It doesn't even have to be math related, which I, I didn't know that. So what does all this have to do with authenticity? Well, when I think of authenticity, the word I think about is integrity. And did you know that integrity and integer are from the same root word? They share the same, uh, the same origin. The idea of integrity is related to what it means to be an integer, to be a whole, complete, consistent thing. And so one of the things we can say about authenticity is that it looks like consistency and wholeness across your different relationships. After, uh, after 23 years of ministry, um, I've got quite a few funerals under my belt. Some of the most meaningful and beautiful times of my pastoral ministry have been sitting around sharing memories with a family who has just uh, lost a loved one, who is remembering their loved one. There's such, uh, it's such a sweet moment. And it's one of the places where integrity shines through. It's so easy for me to see integrity in, in those moments. You know, there are all sorts of different ways that we could define success in the world today. But uh, in light of all of those conversations with grieving families, I think that I've settled on my favorite definition of success. I think my favorite definition of success is when those who know you the best respect you the most. That sounds like integrity to me. That sounds like success to me. The word in this passage of scripture that's translated as sincere, Paul writes, love must be sincere. What it literally means is love must be unhypocritical. Authenticity in our relationships means not being a hypocrite. It means not saying one thing and living some other way. And it means not living this way over here, but living this other way over here. In the Axis on Sunday nights right now, Pastor Joe is working through a series with the teens called Everyday Christian. And the idea of the series is that our lives 
ought to look the same wherever we are. We ought to be living our Christian faith here at church and at school and in our neighborhoods and in our homes. We ought to be everyday Christians. That is integrity. That is authenticity. And so if, if, the, uh, if the goal today, if we wanna to ask this question about how we practically apply these things in our lives, then, then here's kind of where the rubber meets the road with authenticity, how we actually live it out. So my question for you is, do you have different personas? I thought this week that maybe a great way to reflect on our authenticity is this, do you behave differently or is your speech different based on the people that you are with? Uh, let me ask it to you this way. If Pastor Chip were in your golf group, would your language be any different? Would the seven iron not go twirling through the air after the errant uh, you know, swing at the, at the golf ball, okay? I'm only asking about Pastor Chip because if I was in your golf group, there'd be a whole different set of issues we'd have to talk about. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. Amen. Yeah. Uh, would, would those closest to you, the people you live with, the people who know you the best, would they say you are predictable no matter the circumstance. And please understand that predictable here does not mean boring. It means consistent. Do they know that whatever you face, they know what they can expect out of you? If you are this way in, in this little sphere of your life, and then over in this other sphere of your life, you're another way, and maybe even in a third place, you're this other way, I think living authentically in relationships means that we begin to allow God to take these different ways that we behave, ways that we react, ways that we speak, and to start to bring them into alignment under his leading, his will, his lordship. And so how are you doing with authenticity today? The second word I want us to focus on this morning is selflessness. This idea is in verse 10 of Romans 12. Paul writes, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. So if we were to back up to the beginning of Romans 12, we would see that Paul starts this chapter with this little instruction that says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. And it seems to me like one of the most worldly things we see is selfishness. One of the things that, that the world wants us to conform to the most is selfishness. So a couple of weeks ago, I loved in the marriage panel when John said, nobody had to teach me to be selfish. Selfishness is something that comes very naturally to us. The desire to think of ourselves first, to put our needs above everyone else's needs. A lot of times uh, when I do weddings, I use a passage, another passage from Paul. It's uh, Ephesians 4, where Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. 
and I'll tell these couples that I'm, that I'm marrying that the message of the world is look out for number one. That's what the world teaches us, look out for number one. And in that messaging, you know who number one is, right? Number one is me. Number one is you, like you are number one according to the message of the world. And you've got to make sure you take care of yourself first, but not according to God's perspective, not through God's lens. That's not how it works. God's instruction to us is clear. Honor one another above yourselves. One translation of this passage says, outdo one another in showing honor. If we can agree that the goal of our gathering is, is to more resemble Jesus, to become more and more like Jesus when we gather, then we ought to acknowledge as we talk about selflessness that there's never been a better example of selflessness than Jesus. This is the story of the gospels. The gospels that tell us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. The, uh, the picture in the gospels, I've got a pastor friend who talks about this scene in the gospels where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And I love the way he talks about it because he says, if, uh, if a total stranger came into the room, somebody who had no context at all came into that room, who would they think was the leader of that group? Well, I can tell you what they would not think. They would not think the leader was the person with a towel over his arm, knelt down on his knees, dealing with the filth of his friend's feet. That is not, that is not what the world tells us about leadership, but that's what Jesus tells us about leadership. That's his model of leadership. Jesus exemplified selflessness for us most clearly in what he did for us on the cross. That is our Jesus, selfless, serving, constantly putting others' needs above his own. And he is the one we are to emulate. Carrie and I talked last week about how we learn a lot from our boys. And this is one of the places where I love, I love what I see in our boys. They have a selfless spirit about them. I can learn a lot by watching, by watching our boys. Braden has, um, he's developed this wonderful uh, little tradition. Uh, you know how we feel about Legos at our house. We love Legos. We got Legos all over the place. Uh, they're easy to find when the lights are out and you're barefoot. You know, you can always find the Legos then. But we love Legos. And Braden um, has this great little tradition that if you're, in a, if you're in a play or a musical with Braden, and he can, if he can find the Lego minifigure of the character that you played, he's going to buy that for you. And that's going to be a gift that he gives to you. He's done this with, he's found out who his teacher's favorite Disney people are. And he'll find those minifigures and give those to his teachers as just a gift. And I don't think it's brown nosing. I think that it uh, comes from a sincere place. I'm, not, I'm looking at him trying to figure out. But um, I love this, just this, uh, this heart that he's shown me. I got to see this so beautifully this week in a couple of memorial services that I was able to, 
um, to witness. On Thursday, uh, I was able to see the, to, to be part of the uh, memorial service for Helen Sharps Radcliffe. I actually brought uh, the program from her service. Now, many of you are maybe not sure about who Helen is. Uh, many of you have been around long enough to know that Helen and her husband David served on staff here uh, in the mid 1990s. And you might also recognize that uh, maiden name, Sharps and know that Helen was the sister of Pastor Wayne and the aunt of Pastor Dave. The back of this program from her memorial service is just filled with testimonies from her family. And if you read through these testimonies, the theme, the thread that ties them all together is selflessness. That's who this woman was. She was selfless. Uh, very, very similarly, um, I visited the visitation of a woman on uh, Friday, Joe Dodds. And yes, it's J-O, a woman, Joe Dodds, Patricia Joe Dodds. Again, many of you may not know her name, but Joe has, a, uh, has left a beautiful legacy of ministry uh, in the Nazarene church, through our campground, through many churches over the years. And, and if you talk to her family, what they would tell you is that her legacy is selflessness. Her legacy was in giving her life away to others. It was so beautiful to see these, uh, these examples and to see these women being remembered in that way. And so, so let's ask the practical question again. How are you doing with selflessness in your relationships, in your marriage do you put your spouse's needs above your own? At your workplace, do you, do you hope to be served or to serve? And I think that's a good question for us to ask no matter where we rank in the organization, whether we're there to be served or to serve others. As you think about the ways that you use the resources God has entrusted to you, your time, your talents, your finances, your possessions, are you generally using them for your own gain? Or are you actively looking for ways to bless and help others? The scripture says to honor one another above yourselves. How are you investing in someone else? How are you honoring someone with your life? How are you doing with selflessness today? The last word I want to take from this passage this morning is empathy. Empathy is in uh, Romans 12, 15 is where we get this idea. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. You know, it is super fun to be married to a therapist. Okay, but seriously, it actually is really fun to be married to Carrie. Now, I imagine that she is diagnosing me quite regularly, and um, she's kind of got her hands full with that, but uh, she is a great person to be married to. And uh, one of the things that I've come to love about Carrie is she has developed professionally over the years 
Um, something that she's really come to, to pay attention to and to learn is about our brains, about how uh, God has created our brain, how he has designed them, how they affect our thinking and our emotions and our decisions and all of these things about our, our brain. And because she has been fascinated with the brain, um, I have sort of as a, a byproduct have just learned a lot about the brain because if you know Carrie, she's excited and she's passionate and she loves to kind of share about the things that she learns. And so because of that, I get to learn about them too. And it really has been a gift for me to learn about our brains. So one of the great things that Carrie has taught me about our brains is about these things called mirror Neurons. Now, she talked about this just a few weeks ago when she preached, and so this may sound familiar to you, but mirror neurons are these thingamajigs in our brain. That's the scientific term. They're these things in our brain that cause us to want to mirror the emotion of the person that we're interacting with. And so if a person comes to you and their eyebrows are way up high, their eyes are big, and they've got a great big smile on their face, that we just want to mirror that. We want to do the same thing and, and put our eyebrows up and open our eyes and smile. And it's really fun to be up here right now because this is what you guys are doing. You guys are like, you're practicing right now. Your eyebrows all just went up to the north, you know. Um, this, is what, this is what our mirror neurons do. And, and likewise, when somebody comes to us with sadness on their countenance, we mirror what it is that they are showing us. God created us to mirror those emotions. God wired us to do what this scripture says to do. He created us to mourn with those who mourn, to rejoice with those who rejoice. I have failed at this so many times as a parent. I was a little afraid you might hear an amen there like you did on the golf thing, but thankfully no amen from the front row uh, on this one. Sometimes the boys have come to me and they're so upset. They're so distraught or distressed about something in their lives. And from, from dad's vantage point, as I look at their teenage lives, I can just see that it's not worth the energy they're giving it. It's not worth the emotion they're giving it. And so I just snap to that. I just go immediately to the place where I just tell them, you don't have to be so upset about this. It's not something to be so upset about. I move quickly to solve the problem mode instead of just taking a minute to feel what they are feeling, to let my mirror neurons do their thing and just hurt with them for a minute. Now, it might be that, uh, that dad's gray-haired wisdom is right and that it is too much emotion for that particular thing that they're experiencing, but I don't have to lead with that. And in fact, I think God has specifically asked me not to. I think what God has asked me to do is to lead with empathy. So let's get practical again. How are you with empathy? Have you been exercising your mirror neurons? I really think this is one of the places where we have we have the easiest opportunity to be like Jesus. It ought to be true of us. 
It ought to be true that people who follow Jesus, when our neighbors have something to celebrate, we ought to help them plan the party. It ought to be true of us as people who follow Jesus that when, when our neighbor, when our coworker, when our family member has something to grieve, that we bring the tissues, that we sit and listen. It ought to be the case that we bring the, the pie or the casserole or that we offer to take their kids for a couple hours so that they can do what they need to do. That ought to be who we are as people who follow Jesus. I wanna invite you today to activate your mirror neurons and to allow yourself to feel with the people around you. I think it's one of the greatest gifts we can give to each other. And so today, how are you doing with empathy? So as we close this morning, I just wanna do something a little bit different. I want us to take some time to pray and to listen and uh, to respond to what God might be asking. And we're gonna open the altar. And um, I wanna invite you to consider whether there might be room for you to become more like Jesus in one of these ways, authenticity, selflessness, or empathy. Or if there might be something that God's been talking to you about throughout this series, a, a place that you've been wrestling, something that God may have opened up in, in your heart and speaking to you about something you've been reflecting on that um, you might wanna pray about this morning. I'm just gonna be real um, forthright with you. Um, for me today, it's empathy. I wanna do better with empathy. I think that's what God's been asking of me this week. And so I'm gonna kneel at the altar today and we're gonna take some time, just a couple minutes of just quiet prayer and reflection. And if you wanna come to the altar, I just wanna invite you to go ahead and do that. You can come, you can pray right where you're at or you can come here and pray, whatever you need to do to respond. But I'm gonna kneel and we're gonna have some time of quiet. And uh, when that's done, um, I'll come back up and just pray a prayer of benediction and we'll be on our way. Let's process, pray, and listen to what it is that God might be saying to us today.
God, we are, we are grateful today that you, the one who created the universe, decided to meet here with us. We're humbled by it and we're honored. We thank you for a sweet time of worship today, for the joy of dedicating a precious life to you. Thank you for the, um, the privilege of participating in the body of Christ. And Lord, as you have, as you have been um, speaking to us and working in us during this time, my sense is that as, as I go into this week, you're gonna provide me with opportunities to be empathetic because of, of um, how your spirit has been prompting me. And Lord, when that opportunity comes for me this week, I pray that you will help me to respond as you would. And God, for every person here today who is praying about uh, authenticity or selflessness or empathy or any other thing that your spirit is asking of them, I pray it would be true of us that when the opportunity comes this week, we would respond as you would have us respond. Help that be true of us. Help us be a people who live with integrity, who put others' needs above our own, and who rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. God, we love you and we thank you so much for meeting here with us in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you all so much for being here today. God bless you as you go. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com. Thank you.